Is this thing on? Are you ready, Matt? You're listening to Box Office Avengers with Matt Diaz and Ernesto Santos. Good evening, folks. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you. We know each other. He's a friend from work. Hello, fellow bingers and bobbers. Welcome to another episode of Box Office Bingers. Ernesto, Ernesto, who, who's, who's Ernesto? Whoa. Are you cheating on me, Matthew? Who, who, is, who is this person? How dare you? You know, I'm, I'm, you think about your actions. <laughs> you need a minute? You, you want to start minute? over again? You yeah. Start over? I think I'm going to leave that in. So. <laughs> Ernesto, Ernesto, why? I would never forget you. I would never cheat on you. Never, right. never do that. No. <sighs> what was I saying? Um, we have a great show for everyone <laughs> this week. We no. we have a we have a lot to talk about. I mean, Especially we, some mind blowing news. This is actually for real. Like we got some real yeah. big news that just dropped. Like. As we were about to hit a record, I was like, well, we're going to take a minute and we're just going <laughs> to we're going to experience it live. So, you know, that we got some big news coming. But I mean, not only do we have news, we're going to be talking about what we're, we've been watching and we're going to be reviewing the Oscar nominated film Tar starring Kate Blanchett, written and directed by Todd Field. This movie is nominated for six <laughs> Oscars. Best Picture, Best Lead Actress, Best Director, Original Screenplay, Cinematography, and Film Editing. Now, mind you, Kate Blanchett already won a Golden Globe and a Critics' Choice Award for Best Lead, as well as Tar winning an additional Critics' Choice Award for Best Score. Notably, Tar was not nominated for Best Score at the Oscars. There's going to be a lot. Th- I have uh, a lot to say about that film. We're going to talk about um, that later. <laughs> I I also the part you said notably the the best score was not at the Oscars. And I'm kind of we're kind of jumping ahead just a smidge bit. I don't know what the critics choice was looking at at best score because there wasn't much of one. Yeah. So we I don't had, know that how that weird opening thing that the <laughs> one they had at the open what We'll, we'll, talk we'll about dive it. into it. We'll yeah, dive into I just that find later. that yeah, I just find it very interesting that it not only was it nominated, it won, and then Oscar's like, "What are you talking about, critics?" <laughs> what's <laughs> what's <laughs> yeah, exactly? Um, but anyway, yes, yeah, so we'll be diving into that um, that Oscar six-time Oscar-nominated film later into the show. But as Ernesto teased, we have some breaking news that came right into the podcast that we're going to do something we've never really done before, and. <clears throat> We're going to be playing the video in its entirety, and we're going to be pausing the video as we are going along and hearing all this news. And this is the news we've been we've been waiting for for a very long time. That is, of course, James Gunn, co-CEO of DC Studios, announcing part of the first chapter called – I think he called it Gods and Monsters? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Gods and Monsters. Um 
and he just kind of released the slate of just part of what's going to be a part of chapter one. And it's a lot of information. And this, as Ernesto said, just happened about 10 minutes as we were about to start recording. So there was no time to think about it. We're just going to hit play on the video and then we're going to pause it. And then we're going to talk about it when, when he, when James Gunn talks about it. So Ernesto, are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm Batman. All I'm right. Batman. I understood. <laughs> understood. Understood. Okay, so here we go. Here's James Gunn announcing all these upcoming projects. And we're, like I said, we're going to pause it once, uh, he, once we want to talk about something in particular. Hey, everybody. I'm James Gunn. I'm the co-CEO of DC Studios. So as many of you know, DC has been disconnected in film and television for a long time. And it's one of, you know, our jobs, mine and Peter's, is to come in and make sure the DCU is connected in film, television, gaming, and animation. That the characters are consistent, played by the same actors, and it works within one story. And if something is outside of that, like Matt Reeves' Batman or Todd Phillips' Joker or Teen Titans Go, that it is clearly labeled as DC Elseworlds, outside of the mainstream DCU continuity. And Peter and I have gotten pretty lucky in terms of the four projects that are coming out over the next year. So let's, let's pause it there for a second. He made, he made it very clear that Matt Reeves' Batman and Todd Phillips' Joker. The Joker, and I guess Teen Titans Go, which I'm assuming is on Cartoon Network, is still going to be active DC projects that are not included in the, the newly formed DC Studios. Yeah, which be I elsewhere. find that that'll be elsewhere. Which I find interesting that he didn't mention anything else after that. Well, because Doom Patrol is already Doom Patrol is already done. I mean, he already listed that though. But he did. I did see on his Twitter him responding to people saying um, that that was decided before that that decision preceded him. Yeah, the, the cancellation of Titans and Doom Patrol, which we'll be discussing later in our news part. Um, but yeah, yes, he he did he did very clear. He's like, that's not me, guys. Don't be. Don't that was already me. done. Yeah, that was <laughs> that before I jumped up. We're starting <laughs> over. Yeah. But he did. But I did like that. You know, he left Elseworld open, like still, still yes. explore, still exploring them because that is part of the DC continuity, and that. I mean that was the main that was everybody's main gripe and probably his as well because he seems to be such an avid comic book connoisseur and lover like he just loves the world of superheroes um, and he has the same gripe we all had like it's been disconnected let but let's still mm-hmm. leave space for what's for these else world ideas like Matt Reeves Batman like I'm glad we get to see that like you get to still enjoy that Batman but that's yeah that's very true our Batman. <laughs> no, it's not. It, no, here, here's more of the video. First, we have Shazam, Fury of the Gods. Shazam has always been off kind of in his own part of the DCU, so he connects very well. That moves directly into The Flash, a fantastic movie that I really love that resets the entire DC universe. Then to move into Blue Beetle, a fantastic film about a kid who's a marvelous part of the DCU, and then into Aquaman 2, which leads directly into our next few projects, which I'm going to tell you about now. All right, let's pause it there. So it does sound like the four upcoming DC movies that he just listed, Shazam, Flash, Blue Beetle, and Aquaman, are somehow still going to be connected? They're part of – so what I would assume is that they're going to be part of the reset. So part of the story – 
the the loose connection is going to be their story is their universe ending like flashpoint like that's a that's a universe reset button like like yeah. oh we're going to come back and all this shit's going to be different like that's what and that's what that's going to be yeah it does seem like he he cuz he definitely alluded that the flashpoint will be a reset on everything and i wonder if you know maybe i think they went back and did some reshoots i wonder if part of the reshoots were like they did announce or did there were rumors that certain like Henry's Cavill's Superman and Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman was cut out of the film. And maybe they're trying to maybe giving us a tease of what DC studio is going to be. And then maybe Blue Beetle might be also part of it. And since that's now starting and I mean, who knows with Aquaman, it just seems he didn't really say much about it. So I'm assuming he's it's, that's ending. But with Blue Beetle being a young <clears throat> character as he is, I wonder if Blue Beetle is going to be conditional like, hey, if your project does well, guess who can come on over through Flashpoint? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, I, I think don't know. That's, that's pretty good. speculation. Yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> and because he also mentioned that since Shazam has been separated from the bigger DC cinematic universe, that it looks like he's willing to bring him on board because it never really tied to anything bigger like mm-hmm. how, you know, the, the Zack Snyder verse has. Like Which he was I never connected. Because I love Zachary. Yeah. He's, I mean, he is Shazam. Like, he is that yeah. character. And just like you said, depending on how successful Shazam is, then maybe yeah. <laughs> you'll see how it goes. All right, so now uh, James Gunn is about to talk about the upcoming projects that he's, uh, that he's diving into into uh, Chapter 1 of the DC Studios. So, Peter and I, along with a group of very talented writers, have started to map out an 8- to 10-year plan of what DC Studios will be in film television and gaming this first chapter is called gods and monsters now this what i'm about to tell you is a part of the first chapter it's not the entire first chapter the first project is creature commandos creature commandos is an animated series i've written all the episodes something we're going to do that's a little bit different at dc is we're going to have characters move into animation out of animation usually having the same actor play their voice as who plays them in live action The next project up is Waller. This is a story of Amanda Waller, played by Viola Davis. Viola Davis is going to team up with members of Team Peacemaker, and this is a story that's been created by Crystal Henry, who did Watchmen, and Jeremy Carver, who created the Doom Patrol. It is a fantastic story that's out of this world, and I can't wait for people to see it. Okay. So I think that's that's great. So this Creature Commando is something completely new, and... What a statement that like when you're kickstarting something that you're going to that's going to be competitor your competitor com- in comparison to Marvel whose first project was Iron Man like this big theatrical film where he says mm-hmm. you know what we're going to do an animated series we're going to do a, <laughs> yeah. we're going to do an animated TV show and that's what's going to kick off this major I mean that's a baller move like that, like it, that it's that's a, making it's, a, it's a statement a that like it's not like this is going to be way more than just movies so if you're if this is something you're going to be on board for, it's going to be all encompassing, and that and then and, not even to go with a tentpole character, going on something completely different, just introducing you to the world because it's so much more than these characters. I think he's trying to get he's trying to get people to appreciate the DC universe before you can appreciate the characters. Yeah, and I mean obviously we see that he did that with um, with Guardians. Guardians yes. was a nobody like yeah. no one even like everyone thought that that movie was going to be a flop 
And he turned around and made it now tentpole A-list superheroes that everyone needs to hear about it. Like everyone needs to know about. Everyone knows about Guardians, especially yes. Groot and Rocket and all those characters. Um, <clears throat> I also found it interesting that his next, so his first two projects, one an animated TV show and then a live action TV show following Waller. And I think that was already announced a while back before he was co-CEO. So it sounds like that when now all that kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, ties together of like, all right, so the Suicide Squad is also part of it. Peacemaker is part of it. Yep. And now the Waller series is also part of it. So um, so that's all inter- that's kind of coming together with it as well. He's incorporating the projects that he's also worked on. Obviously, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming that Viola Davis is, will be coming back to star in a series. Yeah, well, I mean, he mentioned that, didn't he? I think he said did, that she... Did, um, did he say Viola Davis? I thought he just said Waller was coming as a live-action form as part of DC, which... I mean, I mean, it would make sense that Viola Davis would be it because she is Amanda Waller. So, um, so yeah, I'm uh, yeah. That, so far, this is interesting, and so now I'm ready to continue. I uh, a, a lot of a lot of reports saying yes, she is coming. Waller series confirmed, starring Viola Davis. Okay, awesome. Okay, good, good. Uh, and so now he's <clears throat> excuse me. Wow, I need to get some water. Hey, are you okay? Uh, I know you're getting all mm-hmm. choked up, Matthew. <laughs> I know I'm getting all, all these you're great so projects. <laughs> so excited. Um, now he's going to be diving into some of the upcoming films. Yeah. Okay. Next is a big one. The true beginning of the DCU. This is called Superman Legacy. This is being written by me. I'm in the middle of it. I'm having a great time doing it. And Superman will be released into theaters July 11th, 2025. Okay. Then... All right. An so animated movie. No. Did he say animated? Yes. Superman Legacy will be an animated film. Did I miss that? I'm going I'm, I'm going to go back. The DCU. This is called Superman Legacy. This is being written by me. I'm in the middle of it. I'm having a great time doing it. And Superman will be released into theaters July 11th, 2025. Okay, the next no, thing... He, no, he didn't say animated. No? Okay. No, he didn't say animated. So, okay, so Superman Legacy, assumably live action, coming out in, what did he say, Oct- July 11th, 2025. And it also said it's not going to be an origin story. Mm. So that's pretty big, that his first big movie is going to be Superman. Well, and I... That he's writing. That he's writing. And I think that's great because then it links you to current runs of of what's happening in the comic books. Like, I don't read specifically Superman, but when we get to the Batman news, that's what what I think why they did that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I think it's going to be following a younger Superman, but again, not rehashing his origin story, which I feel like at this point they've done that so many times that it's much like super like Spider-Man. We don't need to see Spider-Man's origin again. Let's just get right into you have powers. I think the audience is smart enough to know <laughs> to know that. Um, so that that's that is that is some pretty big news that he is. We, there's no director or no starring yet, but also. He just gave a release date of July 11, 2025. We're still two and a half years away from that. Good. So yeah, yeah. Take the time. <laughs> yeah, seriously. All right, moving on. Is a big premiere HBO television series called Lanterns. This is a story of a couple of Green Lanterns, John Stewart and Hal Jordan, and we have a few other lanterns peppered in there. But this is really a terrestrial-based TV show, which is almost like True Detective with a couple of. Green Lanterns, who are space cops, 
watching over precinct earth in it they discover a terrifying mystery that ties into our larger story of the dcu next so that's so a, a, a green lantern series was rumored and, and or announced a, a long time ago like a couple of years back and jj abrams was a part of it so it appeared he didn't mention anything about J.J. Abrams, so I'm assuming that that project is dead, but the idea is still around of creating a Green Lantern series that follows multiple lanterns. Yeah. So that's interesting. Uh, it, he said it was a live-action series as well, so I'm on board for that 100%. 100%. Especially since, for some reason, DC has been scared of diving into Green Lantern after the failed Ryan Reynolds film, which, come on. Like that was many years ago. We can we could have moved past that. Yeah. Um. And I'm surprised that Zack Snyder, maybe he was getting there, but like he never really dived into the to lanterns at all, like Green Lanterns at all. So that's I'm glad that we're finally getting some more Green Lantern content coming soon. Yeah. The big movie called The Authority. The Authority is a passion project of mine. It's based on the marvelous Wildstorm characters. We are now bringing into the DCU and will interact with all of our primary DCU characters. The Authority are a group of superheroes who think the world is broken and they want to fix it by any means necessary. I think it's a very different look at superheroes. We're doing a television series called... Okay, so this sounds like... Kind of in the similar vein of The Boys, mm-hmm. where like it looks like a group of well, kind of maybe a darker tone, but with with superheroes having their own agenda, kind of very similar to the Suicide Squad, as well. Um, again, something different that we haven't seen before as well. He's picking some very interesting projects to introduce the DC universe. Yeah. Are you familiar with the authorities I'm, at all? I'm actually, I mean, I'm actually not at all, but I am now. <laughs> like, yeah, I'll, be, I'll be reading up on them. Yeah, I definitely will. And he said this is a big movie. So as far as movies, we have Superman and then the authorities um, and then the Green Lantern series on HBO Max. All right, moving on. Paradise Lost. Paradise Lost is a story of Paradise Island, usually known mm-hmm. as Themyscira, which is the birthplace of Wonder Woman. It's almost like Game of Thrones with Westeros, but with all of the inhabitants of Paradise Island. The introduction. Interesting. Game of Thrones. Not necessarily with with one with the Wonder Women, or you know the the people of yeah. the, of the mascara. That that's also again that's a live action TV series, something completely different we've never seen before. Not necessarily following or introducing Wonder Woman per se, but maybe the people that she will that she's a part of, and maybe within that might have an introduction to wonder woman at some point who knows i love that he's he's just he's he's keeping the the types of medium varied you know yes it's not it's not just all movies not just all animated like he's he's like which is going to be the best for for this project to do well Mm -hmm. yeah and you keep it all connected i'm I'm loving it you know Mm -hmm. continuing production of the dcu's batman is the brave and the bold. The brave and the bold is the story of Batman and his actual son, Damian Wayne. This is based on Grant Morrison's great comic book run. Damian Wayne is my favorite Robin. He's a little assassin who Batman tries to get in line. And so this is the story of the two of them and the beginning of sort of the Bat family in the DCU. That is, I mean, he 
it's the truth. Like Damian Wayne is the best Robin, has been the best Robin so far. Um, like I'm currently reading the, the the current Batman run, and just the dynamic between him and him trying to make his son a better person while also still trying to be Batman. Like there's such a there's such a great there's a great story element there. So it seems like that's exactly what he wants to explore. But my curiosity is where in the timeline is that going to take place? Like where, like, is it going to be like completely current or maybe are we going back a little bit? Like, I'm, I'm curious where, where this is going to fall within the current DC ethos, you know? Cause if, especially yes. if he's going to be, if he's talking about keeping that and the comic books can, everything's going to be connected. And what I love about primarily about, you know, him introducing Batman, the brave and the bold is the fact that Robin is going to be a major player yes. in like a young Robin, so to speak, but a major player into the DC universe. Because again, for some reason after Batman was it Batman forever and, and Batman, what were, what were the two? Batman it was forever, Batman forever. Batman returns. No, no, not that one. It was Batman and then Batman returns and then Batman and Robin forever. Batman and Robin. Thank you. And then Batman forever. Those two movies did not do great at all, and after that, they were like, "We're not, we're not touching Robin." Even, even uh, Christopher Nolan didn't even touch Robin. Uh, Zack Snyder killed Robin, and Matt Reeves hasn't introduced his Robin yet, if he's going to. So, I think James Gunn finds a window of like, people love the Bat Family. Let's focus on the fucking Bat Family. See, but then the great thing about that is that you'll get in. Then you'll when through the bat family then you'll get introduced to red hood and then Jay, and then you get mm-hmm. to meet jason todd and then you maybe he'll be able to tell you you'll be able to connect he'll be able to tell some backstory about what happened to jason todd why did he become the red hood like under the red yeah. hood that that's a great dc animated film about oh i love that movie it's yeah it's such a great film and i think that wasn't that, i think that was voiced by jensen eccles if mm. I remember correctly, but either way, but I mean, there's some other great stories that he's going to be able to connect to that. So I'm, I mean, I, and that's, I'm just really looking forward to that. I mean, Batgirl, you can learn about how she became Oracle. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah. The joke, the killing joke, like oh my, it's going to be so many. Yeah, I think this is a great introduction to because now you have like it's a father son story. Yes. You have Batman in a different light we've never seen before. We've seen the brooding Batman, the heroic Batman, you know, but. Really, we've never seen him as a father figure in most ways. So this is, again, an avenue that we've never seen Batman live action before, and James Gunn has taken advantage of it. Yeah, I mean, they're making, they're finding ways to reinvent and make his story, make his character more interesting. And seeing Mm -hmm. Gotham and the world evolve, I mean, look how many, that's why there's the Bat family. But then each Robin who's there has their own story and has their own adventures with him and how they, why they became. So it's just, I'm I'm really looking forward. This is great. This yeah, is a great is... entry point. We don't have to spend all this time seeing the death of his parents and the pearls hit the You're ground right. <laughs> and walking down the alley. Like we don't we're past that already. We've seen it done yeah. so many times. I think again, we're finally getting to a moment where we don't need an origin story for everybody. Correct. It's just like they could already have their situations. A lot of people are familiar with the characters. Let's just dive into one particular story. This is your starting point, and we can move on from that. Yeah. Back to the video. Yeah. 
Next up is a TV series called Booster Gold. Booster Gold is one of comics' really popular cult heroes. He is a fascinating guy. He's a loser from the future who uses future technology to come back to present day and become a superhero so that people will love him. It is basically the superhero story of imposter syndrome on an HBO Max series. One of my favorite comic book series from last year was Tom King's run on Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. And so we're going to turn that into a big science fiction epic film. Now, Superman is a guy who was sent to Earth and raised by loving parents, whereas Supergirl in this story, she is a character who was raised on a chunk of Krypton. She watched everybody around her perish in some terrible way. So she's a much more jaded character. And that... So... Uh, listening to it again, him mentioning Tom King, he's a great writer. He did some Batman stuff. Um, I'm going to have to go read this now, Tom King's <laughs> Supergirl, because, um, yeah, great writing, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, yeah, you can, I mean, I'm good. I just wanted to mention that. We can keep going. <laughs> yeah, and but also focusing on a Supergirl movie, I know that I think in some ways – the Flash was to was supposed to launch a Supergirl film because she might be in the Flash movie, yeah. um, but now obviously I don't know if that character is still involved or not in the film. But obviously we have a Supergirl movie in the works um, that's most likely going to be different from what's going to be in the Flash. So that's also great. Another character that's barely been utilized. Well, I mean I take that back. I mean obviously there was a Supergirl TV show on on CW. Um, but now it looks like we're getting a live action film out of it and really just getting more of that character that, you know, we've seen on TV Yeah, and in comics. Brings me to Swamp Thing, the last thing we're going to talk about, a very dark horror story in the origins of the monster who is Swamp Thing. And although it's totally outside of the rest of the DCU, it will still feed into the rest of the stories. Anyway, those are the stories that I can tell you about right now. I've loved the DC characters since I... Okay, so there you go. So the last project is a swamp thing. Oh, well, hold on. I, I do want to re-listen to that tag, what he says at the very end. Oh, okay. Sorry. Let me... Since I was a child, they're in DCU. It will still feed into the rest of the stories. Anyway, those are the stories that I can tell you about right now. I've loved the DC characters since I was a child. They're incredibly important to me. I knew that this was a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to do something very different. One of the things that's very important for me in all of these movies and TV series is that the director's vision and the vision of the writers and all of the creators is unique and something special. Storytelling is always king. That's all that matters to us. And I want to be true to those stories. I want to be true to you guys and really give you something different than you've ever seen before. Anyway, thank you, everybody. I appreciate you watching. I hope this was exciting for you because it's really exciting for me. And I can't wait to start to dive into these stories with you guys on this grand adventure. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, just that hey, part of him I'm mentioning about the importance about how story is king. Like, mm -hmm. like we trust, I think everybody trusts him when he says that based on what he's already given us. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And obviously, he feels very passionate about these DC projects. Obviously, that 
Um, he's been also very vocal, like anything that came out, he was like, he either shuts it down or agrees with it. Or I think that also, for me, that helps. It just showcases that he's really committed to like making sure that everyone has the right information that's out there and not letting it linger. And as well as, I mean, he, he came out and released almost a six minute video about kind of just laying down the groundwork of what is to come in the next few years. And he said, this is a, an eight to 10 year plan. And we only got a part of the first chapter and, and in total he announced five movies and five tv shows uh not including no no that does include the animated ones so yeah so yeah five movies and five tv shows which is already a lot in there and that's just part of it which is insane but all of these sound different they're not the same it's not what we've seen in the past before um and i i think it's great that he even mentioned that the last thing was swamp thing was going to be a horror film so there's going to be there's a couple of key dif- differences between what DC is going to be doing and what Marvel is going to be doing. Okay. Well, how many projects have you heard that Kevin Feige is per- that personally wrote that are that set the arc for Marvel Universe? I don't know if he ever wrote anything for any of these projects. This man is telling us he's personally writing these stories. Like he yeah. has an, he is I just feel like there's a deeper investment at what James Gunn is going to put out. DC my mm-hmm. my prediction is that DC is going to surpass Marvel by leaps I, and bounds ba- based on where Marvel is now and if they don't kind of up their ante or kind of change what's been going on because it feels like people have become stagnant with what Marvel's mm-hmm. been putting out. Like it's good, like it's decent, but it's not like how exciting it was like when people went to go see Endgame. Like I felt like yeah. Marvel movies that was like peak Marvel. Like it was an experience. And then slowly I, it, and then slowly but surely there've been some good ones, but there've been some hits and then there've been some misses and then there've been some like like out of left field, what the fuck was that? <laughs> yeah, I feel like with Marvel, I mean, let, let's give Marvel a little bit of credit. It's hard to yes. to get on the high high they had with Endgame. That was their big tentpole of a film to, a, a, you know, a compass all of the movies that preceded before it and give us one grand finale. In any other, you know, sense, that would be the end of the Marvel Cinematic Universe in a way. And for a lot of people, they fell off. It's like, I saw the ending. I'm good. Yeah. But now with the introduction of Disney Plus and the TV shows, as well as the movies, they are now committing to a lot much, a lot of content that we haven't had in the past True. before. And on top of that, it it does seem like it's muddling the waters a little bit because we're getting a lot of it. I, I literally the last two years, well, yeah, since in the last two years, we barely went a month without a Marvel thing. Yeah. Like between Disney Plus and this and the and what's in going into theaters, it's like you are gonna get Marvel all the time and you're gonna love it. And with that, we have now. All right, well. We had never hit the highs of Endgame, and Spider-Man No Way Home was pretty close to that. That was the last excitement I've had for a Marvel movie. Um, to that level, yeah. To that level, yes. But that um, was mainly dependent on your connection with the, all the legacy characters that we knew. That is coming. correct, yes. And so I do, I, am, I do have a lot of hope when it comes to Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. So beca- because it's introducing Kang, and it does feel like we are, now this, since this is the start of Phase 5, we are launching into the bigger story, that the next big story that Marvel's going to tell. And they said many times that Phase 4 is the introduction uh, phase. We're introducing a lot of new characters, new storylines, we're finishing off storylines. So I'm giving Marvel a pass, but... 
That being said, though, with DC's new upcoming slate here, it's a different thing. <laughs> Marvel needs to. I think Mar. I think this is good. This is going to be healthy competition. Yes, absolutely. Yes. This. I think this Marvel's going to say, "All right, we're going to have to crank shit up." Like, <laughs> yeah, we were like, we were uh, a little we were asleep at the wheel a little bit. We're going to have to crank shit. We're going to have to start cranking shit up. But the problem is, is that Mr. Gunn has seen underneath the hood at Marvel. Yeah, so he knows he how that machine runs. He's, yes. He's seen how both of them run, and I'm sure he walked away from both experiences going, hmm, I wonder what I would collectively do better if I was in either of their positions or if I did, like, another one, like Image Comics or Dark Horse or yeah. let's say whatever comic, whatever other universe wants to kickstart. You know what I mean? Like, he could... Mm-hmm. Because everything that he's touched, he's that's what he's been true to, bringing us great stories, and that's how you get connected to these such ob- these obscure characters. Yeah, and, and I think the key here is that it's going to be a lot of different stuff as we heard him s- discuss all these upcoming projects, um, and I think that's exciting. I think it's exciting, and this is what we've been wanting too. We wanted something different. We don't like Zack Snyder's Justice League and the the heavy hand that Warner Brothers had on that that you know those those chunk of films is that they wanted to be like marvel and james gunn was like i know how marvel operates we need to be something completely different than marvel yeah. and we need to just like trust the audience that they're going to lean into it and if the story's good like he said then the audience will follow and now i'm i'm really curious of like what is what is the bigger arc right now we're introducing a lot of these characters so we have to trust in the process of like each one of these movies are going to offer something different but also connected in a way that when you um get to the bigger picture it's all going to come together nicely um so i'm looking forward to what james gunn i think this would be healthy competition for marvel especially if these movies are hugely successful and the storytelling is truly that good then marvel's gonna be like oh shit we need to step up our game a little bit i mean Recently, I've been reading a lot more DC stuff, and like I just I never really appreciated how deep their storytelling is, and just how great they are at, at keeping such a connectiveness, at least in what I've currently been reading. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm really I'm really looking forward to everything that he's got to put out. This is it. This is yeah. Is really really exciting news. Like, and it, like you, and then you actually you bring up a great point about the healthy competition. I think that's gonna be yeah. great because then that's gonna cause Marvel. Regardless if they're not worried about it or not, naturally they're going to start upping their ante. But I think – Absolutely. And they've been mentioning – there's been a lot of news just popping, random news about Quantum Mania. Like they mm-hmm. mentioned that this is going to be this phase's Civil War. Mm, that they, they are I, – I think they are hyping yeah. – they're hyping it up. And so with that, it's hard to see like are you hyping it up because you feel like people are going to be disappointed or are you hyping it up for people to go to the theater because it's truly going to be game-changing? Because if it's not Ernesto, you're going to disappoint a lot of fans. I actually have trust. I have trust in Jonathan Majors. If all, like, Same. Like, that's fair. That's To be honest, he's like I love Paul Rudd. I think Paul Rudd is a great Ant-Man. And I, I like the Ant-Man movies. They're fun. But you're mm-hmm. talking like a, you're going to give us like a Civil War level story within Ant-Man? Okay. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, we'll see. Yeah. And I, I but an... Jonathan Majors, he is an incre- he is an incredible actor. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know everything I've seen him in. I've I've loved everything he's ever been in. Look at Lovecraft yeah. Country. He like, 
That show got canceled. He was the best thing about that TV show. Oh, absolutely. The absolute absolutely. best thing. Like, I didn't even care. Like, the fact, I mean, it might not have been that, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It might not have been that popular, but I loved it. Yeah. It was great just to see what he brought for that character. And Jonathan Majors, I mean, he's having a resurgence, not a, not a resurgence, but he's having a come up, basically, uh, oh, yeah. because he because he was in, like you said, you really liked him in, and I also liked him in um, Devotion. Devotion, and we he was in Love Lovecraft Country, which he's just getting his, which I feel like really got a lot of eyes on him. He wasn't Harder They Fall, which was that western that I really liked. Oh, he was yes. great in that. Uh, you just definitely check it out. Um, and obviously, he's going to be, you know, Kang in the uh, in Ant-Man and Quantumania. And then literally two weeks later, he's in Creed 3, directed by Michael B. Jordan. So Let me tell you, he's I having... am so excited for Creed 3. Like, mm-hmm. you know, as I'm be, I, when I go to the theaters, I'm forced to see these trailers. And I keep seeing the Creed 3 trailer, <laughs> and I just get so emotional when I watch this trailer. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm so... I think right before, obviously, the third one, which we're more than likely going to review, I'm gonna, absolutely, I'm gonna, you know, do a bit, rewatch the first one, and yeah. watch the second one. My my kids are like, because you know, recently we've been taking them to the theaters. They're like, can yeah. we watch? Can we watch that movie? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe the maybe the maybe the maybe the preteen, maybe the oldest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But uh, I have so. I might go even further, Ernesto. I haven't seen any of the Rocky films, so I might, ju- oh, I yeah, oh. I might just go down a the the long binge on that. Uh, oh. Who knows? I mean, I've seen I've I've seen Creed one, I've seen Creed two. Um, I feel like the time to watch those Rocky films was going to be before Creed, but now you know, which you know, with Creed three coming out, it's like I, I can I can devote six movies and then plus two Creeds and. You know, see how it goes and get the full compass. It, uh, we know that Sylvester Stallone is not going to be in Creed three, so this might be you know not really pointless to watch him. But I think this is a good opportunity to get into the mindset of the whole boxing universe. Rocky no, universe. but I think you'll. I think if you were to watch all the Rocky movies, you will have a deeper appreciation for Creed for the Creed movie. Oh, absolutely, for yeah. sure, for sure. Um. But yes, and one last DC thing to talk about was that in the midst of all that, the Batman Part Two, I, even though James Gunn didn't release it, but I guess it was re- announced somewhere. I don't really know, but a lot of news articles are reporting it that the Batman Part Two would be released on October third, twenty twenty five. So that is also coming in about <laughs> two and a half years or so, probably, <laughs> and, and some change. So there's a long time to see the Batman too, and we know that the Joker sequel is going to be in 2024. I think also in October. So, <clears throat> so there you go. Um, do you want to just briefly mention the Titan stuff since we're on DC talk right now? Uh, we 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 briefly mentioned it, and um, but a spokesperson. Oh, yeah. For HBO Max has confirmed that both Titans and Doom Patrol will will end after their current seasons. Both of their fourth seasons are has been divided into two parts. So once they return for part two, which both of those shows are at a hiatus right now, uh, those remaining episodes will be their last. So it's kind of surprising that. It, and I think I read that the creators knew that this was going to be the last season too, but for some reason didn't announce it prior to just recently. So. I don't know why they withhold that information and not really hyping it up as these are the final episodes, but it, I guess we're not really that surprised that it's ending, especially it being on HBO Max. Maybe they're 
and I haven't seen, I actually haven't, I haven't seen Titans at all, and I kind of dropped off Doom Patrol after, I want to say maybe the first season. I, I mean, I think mm-hmm. once it ends, I'll, I'll go back and I'll finish it off. Um, yeah. But maybe they were hoping for a soft ending that would, maybe they can get picked back up, not like a final close, you know, close your story out. Yeah. I mean, who knows? But hopefully for people who are watching it, like Estevan and, and um, David, uh, he they can get the res- resolution that they're looking for with those series. I know both of them really like those shows. I mean, I, I've said this before. I'll say it again. I gave Titans a shot two seasons, and I just couldn't get into it. I know a lot of people have said that season three gets better. So maybe if there were one show I might pick back up, it's Titans. I've... I fell off of Doom Patrol after the first season. It is very weird. It's a very weird show. Um, so I like it, that one it's too. hard. So did I. But it's hard to get on to that level of weird. You really got to be in the mindset of that. Yeah. You really do. Um, but there you go. Thanks for coming along on that journey with us. We tried something new, kind of giving you the information through the horse's mouth, so to speak. James Gunn himself. Um, but we do have other news to talk about um, as well. So we'll dive into that. Um, Last week, we went over some of the nominations for the 95th Academy Awards and the 43rd Razzies Awards. Well, now, apparently, this is really weird um, that they're both happening, so to speak. Uh, Apparently, some of those nominations are being under review and downright taken away. Let me explain. First, let's talk about the Oscars. The Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences confirmed that it is conducting a review of campaign procedures in the wake of Andrea Riseborough's surprise Oscar nomination for best performance by lead actress in in a leading role for her small indie film to Leslie. The Academy released a statement Friday regarding the campaign and though didn't specifically mention to Leslie, sources speculate it's revolving around that nomination. The Academy said, quote, it is the Academy's goal to ensure that the awards competition is conducted in a fair and ethical manner. And we are committed to ensuring an inclusion awards process. Um, We are conducting a review of the campaign procedures around this year's nominees to ensure that no guidelines were violated and to inform us whether changes to those guidelines may need to be changed in a new era of social media and digital communication. We are convinced in the integrity in our nomination and voting procedures and support genuine grassroots campaign for outstanding performances. It's interesting. This is very interesting to see that they're looking, they're going under review under a particular nomination that a lot of people were surprised about. It's just weird. Well, why just yeah. why not just say what it is? Why are so be? Why are they being so vague? Like we're like yes, we're we're already we already have the nomination. So are you gonna take her nomination away or that's that's the question, right? Else, like you're not even mentioning which one it is. So are you is there are there other ones that we're not aware of that are gonna get taken away? Is it more than one? Like, right, right. What is this? Did somebody do something wrong? Like it's just, it's <laughs> that's just a I'm lot saying. of vague, a lot of vague news. <laughs> yeah, at least when the Golden Globes, you know, shenanigans happen, at least it was pretty clear that like, no, the, it, it felt like that the the people of the Golden Globes were taking bribes to nominate this particular TV show. Um, so it, but it, this seems very vague on what campaign procedures they might be broken in the oh, process of this. Maybe the same thing. 
it may be the same thing. Who knows? I mean, a lot of people were on board with her nomination. A lot of people liked her performance. So even though we didn't see it or heard about it, obviously somebody did and nominated and got the nomination. But we did mention that a lot of actresses, like primarily Viola Davis, um, did not get the nom. And we feel like those were like shoo-ins of getting a nomination. Mm-hmm. Um, so who knows in the coming weeks if they are going to resend her nomination, if they're going to replace it, um, what's going to happen there. Um, but if it is interesting, cause this is the first I'm hearing that they are conducting a review on it, but who knows if anything's going to come out of it. Mm. Um, and so now moving over to the Razzies, uh, shortly after the nominations were announced last week, the Razzies received strong criticism over the nomination of Ryan Kerry, Kerry. Ryan Kara Armstrong, the young 12-year-old actress who was nominated for Worst Lead Actress in a Performance for her performance in Firestarter. The criticism revolved around Armstrong's age. Drew Barrymore, the former child star who was also who also led uh, who was also the lead in the 1984 Firestarter movie, said that she did not approve of the Razzies nomination, nominating a child among the worst performances, as it encouraged bullying. Other remarks on social media called the Razzies soulless, classless, mean-spirited, and repulsive for nominating a child actress for worst performance. Valid criticism. I think that's also, yes, I think that's a valid criticism. Uh, following the, and uh, the Razzies quickly responded, by the way. Following the criticism, the Razzies Award issued a statement and introduced an age limit. In a statement, Razzies founder John Wilson apologized and confirmed Armstrong's name has been removed from the ballot and said moving forward, actors under the age of 18 will not be eligible to be nominated for the Razzie Awards. Yeah. I I think that's all... Fair. I mean, the criticism very much true. She is only a young actress. Yeah, you're gonna, kid. yeah, you're gonna criticize her for a performance that he did. I didn't really think about it until the uh, nomination, until until the criticism came. It's like, yeah, no, yeah, you're right. That's 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 that is bullying. Like, especially for a young actress to be like trying to jumpstart her career. Yeah. Now, and then they can. Oh, that being said, you've seen the movie. Yeah. Is her performance? I mean, no. Way? No, I don't think it's I don't think it's to the level of like a Razzie nomination. It's like okay. I didn't think of anything. I don't see I didn't think of anything of her performance. It oh, was just a bad movie. I didn't I'm not crediting her performance for it. Uh, um okay. yeah. And but it was just a, it was just bad writing. It was not well executed. Um but she did fine. I didn't see anything wrong with her. It was just she was in a bad movie. And I feel like that was part of the nomination. Like Firestarter was bad. So then that like her performance got tacked on to that bad movie. So, you know what oh, I mean? So you're pinpointing what was bad and saying it was this little girl. Yeah, that's right. That's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it looks like the the Razzies quickly learned their lesson and had rescinded it. So they quickly justified it, but still wrong to do so in the process. How long has the so, Razzies been taking place? Forty three years. Has this has a child ever been nominated before? This is the first time mm-hmm. ever in history. That's a good question. I mean, the, due to the criticism, it's possible that it was the first time it happened. Um, but I honestly don't know. It's not, not an award I'm typically keeping up with on day to day for the nominations. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure if you're seeing anything, if they've nominated children before. Uh, no, not that I've seen. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, hold on. According to Looper, let's see. Away, Kiara. 
This is just a reminder. This isn't the first somebody on Twitter. This isn't the first time the Razzies Awards ruined a child actor's life. Mm. A tweet that's been liked and retweeted. So many young children. I can't even imagine how it negatively affect them. Over the years, John Wilson and the Golden Raspberry Foundation have gotten together to showcase hundreds of actors and film projects for what they for what they deem to be terrible cinematic performances. Uh, let's see. It talks about the 43rd. A teenage Brooke Shields was nominated for her 1980 film, The Blue Lagoon. Nominated at the very first Razzies in 1981, Brooke Shields became the first became the first um, fortunate poster child for young Razzie mm. nominees after being crowned the worst actress. Mm. Let's see. A nine-year-old so, Mara Hobel. Damn it. A nine-year-old? Nine-year-old, yeah. Received nominations in two different categories for some movie called Mommy Dearest. Oof. Hold on. Macaulay Culkin for three different performances in 1995. What? Wow. So, okay. So, clearly, this is not the first time they've done this. Oh, and I guess... Uh, Macaulay Culkin responded I guess it was much easier to make fun of kids back in 1995 Macaulay tweeted mm. wow so let's see Jake Lloyd's life becoming a hill hell after getting nominated for playing Anakin in the Phantom Menace oh Ooh. yeah okay yeah yeah Ooh. <laughs> yeah so clearly they've had history before but now <laughs> we're under a different society and they can't really get away with it uh like they used to back in the day. Um, but yeah, I mean, but also that article said that it's based off the opinion of uh, John Wilson. I mean, also yeah. that to that same degree, every award show is based off an opinion of the Academy or the, the, the members of that set award. So it's hard to give him shit because he's doing something completely opposite of the of the Oscars, but in the same vein of the award It's based off of somebody's opinion. Not, it's not going to be well, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, looks like they fixed that wrong, but clearly they've had a history. Um, moving on to that, to awards, <laughs> sticking with that, uh, the 75th Annual Writers Guild Awards uh, has been announced for film Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, The Menu, Nope, and Tar have all been nominated for Best Original Screenplay. Notably, I mean, The Menu and Nope were not given an Oscar for Best Original Screenplay, so it got uh, the Writers Guild. Um, while Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Glass, Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, She Said, Top Gun Maverick, and Women Talking have all been nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. Again, Black Panther was not in that nomination, and She Said was not in that nomination either. Um, so clearly they have a different view. Same as the Screen Actors Guild as well. Um, for television, Andor! Yay! Uh, better... <laughs> <laughs> I love your excitement. Yay. <laughs> yay. Yay. Uh, for television and or Better Call Saul, The Crown, Severance, and Yellow Jackets have all been nominated for Best Drama, Best Writing in a Drama uh, drama Series, while Abbott Elementary, Barry, The Bear, Hacks, and Only Murders in the Building have all been nominated for Best Writing in a Comedy Series. Um, you can find the full list of nominees of the 75th Annual Writers uh, Guild Awards. Uh, Writers Guild Awards at awards.wag.org. Um, the winners will be revealed Sunday, March 5th. So there you go there. Um, so this was quick, Ernesto. Moving on to our next piece of news. Uh, just last week, we talked about how director Antoine Fuqua, 
I think I get it right the first, this time. Yeah. Uh, the director of Training Day, The Equalizer, and Will Smith's newest film, and, uh, Emancipation, which is on Apple TV Plus right now, had signed on to direct a Michael Jackson biopic titled Michael for Lionsgate. We had briefly talked about it last week. Well, now he took to social media to announce that Michael Jackson will be played by none other than Jafar Jackson, the 26-year-old nephew of Michael Jackson. Jafar Jackson is a singer-songwriter himself and has been dancing since he was 12 years old. Well, I don't think of a better casting than a blood <laughs> relative. I mean, <laughs> doesn't get any. But it's he's 26, so are they gonna? I wonder if they're gonna do any de-aging or aging him up, or maybe the the core of this film is gonna deal with that period of his life. Yeah, that that's a really good question. I I, I feel like the majority of his if they're casting him to play Michael Jackson, he's 26. I'm assuming that you can maybe probably fudge the numbers and make him a little bit older, like in his 30s or sure. pri- primarily in his 40s. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Michael Jackson died when he was 50. Mm. So I, I think you can I think you can age him up a little bit to be a little bit older. Because um, by the time this movie is being recorded, yeah. he's probably going to be – he died when he was 50, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I guess it, that's a fair age to kind of age him up a little bit. You don't need to have a distinction between a young – I'm sure they're going to still hire a young Michael because obviously in the Jackson 5, he was a child. Yeah. So, but now, you know, probably the primary – yeah, I think you make a good point. The primary age is going to be probably in his 30s or more or less, like that point of his career. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. They didn't go – I don't think he's had any acting experience from my understanding except for probably the music videos that he was in. Um but yeah, so they went with a blood relative for that. I'm I'm really excited for this. I I'm this is going to be a great. I, I don't know. This is going to be a big thing for when it do, comes do out. Do you do you think they should have went with a more well known actor or at least an actor, so to speak? They they kind of went with a singer songwriter dancer, not an actor. No, I think they I think they're doing the best possible thing they could. It's hiring somebody who has a deep. He's a performer, so that's all you need. Yes. You just need a performer. It doesn't matter. That's true. You know, he's. I guess you know, maybe to him, it doesn't matter if there's a camera there or not. Like, I don't know any of his work, or I'm just, I'm just right. saying, thinking on maybe how he is as an artist. So, and who's gonna have better appreciation than a blood relative, and right. who's in the same profession as him? So almost like maybe he, you know, he probably idolizes him. Oh, absolutely. He probably grew up. He probably, you know, idolized him growing up, and obviously probably the way he is the way that he is you know so we'll see yeah i think it's gonna i think that's the best possible option they could have picked yeah i i i found it's an interesting choice um because i was expecting you know they're gonna go for an actor but no blood relative you know that definitely adds another layer to the movie how personal this movie might become yeah going down the line yeah there's there's gonna be a lot of weight in his performance because he's gonna want to do right nobody's gonna want to do right more than him yeah i i agree to that um, moving on to our next piece of news, a Tomb Raider TV series is in early development on Amazon with Fleabag creator Phoebe Waller-Bridge being attached to write and executive produce. It was also reported that Amazon has plans to also make a new Tomb Raider movie and at least one additional video game. The idea is to build out a connected world of Tomb Raider with the video game, TV series, and film all interconnected, hoping to make an MCU-like universe. As of right now, Phoebe Waller-Bridge does not plan to star in the TV series or has any involvement with the film or video game. 
Sounds like she's been hanging out with James Gunn. (laughs) 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 Obviously, this is going to be – so this is going to be the next level of connectivity of what – so this is what they're going to be doing for content. They're going to connect how to make synergy. It all has to connect. <laughs> it all has to connect, apparently. And, you know, Amazon is taking on another big IP of Tomb Raider. So, I mean, they did it very well with the boys. They they obviously got it with Lord of the Rings. They're working on that new show with uh, Henry, Henry Cavill, I think Warhammer 40,000 or something. Um, and, and so, yeah, now Amazon is just... Picking up those IPs left and right. We're going to be that streaming service that people need to go to. We're not just, you know, delivering boxes. We got some shit that people need to watch as well. Exactly. Um, I, I just find it interesting that Amazon is really kind of grabbing some stuff. More so than any streaming service right now. Netflix was picking up stuff as well. But I feel like I'm hearing less about that. They're more canceling things, if anything, at the moment. Um so, yeah, but Amazon, they got all the money. They're like, no, we're going to keep grabbing some stuff that people might like. And, and I think Phoebe Waller-Bridge will be a good, you know, addition to a Tomb Raider series. I think she has the chops for it. Um, and obviously, she's going to have a lot of – she had a lot of work at Indiana Jones 5 that's coming out uh, soon. She is in uh, Indiana Jones. So she has a lot of material to work with from her adventure uh, – for adventure storytelling. Yeah. Um, and the last bit of news is kind of a sad one. We've already mentioned it before, but even more beloved TV shows have been canceled. We mentioned Titans and Doom Patrol. Um, HBO Max also canceled the reboot Gossip Girl series after two seasons. Cobra Kai, um, or sorry, Netflix has announced that Cobra Kai will be ending after its sixth and final season, along with canceling Blockbuster after just one season. That's Damn. no surprise there. That was not a... Not a great show, so to speak. But Cobra Kai, Ernesto, you're the show you really like to watch. Well, I'm I'm actually glad because after the, after the last season, it felt like we were coming towards the natural end. So it's good to see okay. that they're gonna close the story out because then now yeah. it's done. So you can go back and you can enjoy it again. Like yeah, yeah. Uh, at least it's always great to hear that when. It's, 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 I like to hear that a show is ending rather than being canceled. Yeah. Because at least that gives the creators an opportunity for, and for the fans who were watching the show to give it a proper ending. And obviously, Cobra Cry it was very popular. Um, and so that is nice. I mean, six seasons, that's a lot. That's a, that's good a lot run. of content. That's, that's a, a good run. run. That's a Especially run. for a show that started on YouTube. Yes. YouTube Red. Yes, look at that. <laughs> and I think YouTube decided they weren't going to create any more content, and Netflix like, no, there's still more there. And they got four more seasons out of it. Yeah. I bet they're looking at it. YouTube's like, <laughs> damn it, like flipping the table <laughs> over. <laughs> God. Oh, we could have just kept it. <laughs> yeah. Netflix has fucking money, man. Yeah. <laughs> also, no surprise with Blockbuster. is not a great show. It was widely hated and, you know canceled rightfully so man i i had high hopes for that one too so did i it was such a disappointment uh really sad it, it had all the ingredients but it was poorly executed unfortunately um amc announced that fear the walking dead will end after its upcoming eighth season that's a good so one too. that's eight that's seasons. a good enough that's eight seasons <laughs> yeah and for a show that was a spinoff too yeah. i mean seriously my god my wife um, actually she used to she actually kept up for the most part um um, but she uh, she actually liked Fear the Walking Dead better than Walking Dead. She just really? Thought, she just thought it was more interesting. Yeah, well, I guess now that you know the Walking Dead is 
it's kind of over, not really, but it's it's really not, no. Uh, But The Walking Dead ran its final episodes, and then Fear the Walking Dead looks like it's appearing to end, and now I guess they're going to be focusing on the the spinoff shows that they are launching off of that as well. We know we know that a Rick Grimes and Michonne series is limited series is coming. Why? We know that a, a yeah a Morgan uh ne- I'm sorry not Morgan Negan and uh what was what's her name Maggie series is also in the works. Um and I think I think Dale is it what's his name is his name Dale not Dale. Um. Wow, guy on the motorcycle. Daryl. Daryl, thank you. I know it was close. <laughs> it took me uh, a minute too. I was like, what yeah, is like, who, <laughs> who, who, one of the popular characters on that show? Yeah. Who are you? Um, it looks like Daryl's getting his own spinoff as well. So really, they just they they ended it, but they're like, but the big ones, we're still giving their own side story. Yeah. So like, you're not, so you're not fucking ending it, man. They're not. They're just <laughs> not together <laughs> anymore. They're just not together. <laughs> exactly. And Rick Grimes wasn't even like the there. Most. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, these are the popular ones. We'll give them his own shows. Oh, whatever. Um, I'm still. I'm not sure if I will go back. I really don't. It's it 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 overran its course for 12 seasons. Yeah. It's they and I and I out of that one. <laughs> they truly did. But you know, at least another one's coming to an end, I guess. Um, uh, stars announced that their hit show Outlander um, will end after its eighth and final season in 2024. Uh, TNT unexpectedly canceled Snowpiercer after already renewing it for a fourth and final season. Since filming is already complete, the creators were, are currently looking for a new home to release its final season. Which, I don't get that, man. You already renewed it. You yeah. paid the money for the filming. Like, just let them finish off the show. I know. What the... F- it's kind of a it, bitch move. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's like, well, we did the work already. The same with Batgirl. You did the work, just fucking release it. Yeah. But, it, it, but TNT is also under the Warner Brothers umbrella, so they're, uh. they're pulling the same shit again. Um, and lastly, this one stinks, Ernesto. This one hurts a lot, actually. Hulu has canceled Reboot. After just one season, show creator Steve uh, Leventon hopes. Thank you. Uh, hopes to shop the show around to another streaming service, with Deadline reporting that another streamer has already asked to read the scripts from season two. Oh, good. Somebody needs to so, pick it up. Oh. Seriously, man. And I, hope it's they like, write, and I hope they write it into the show. <laughs> well, because that would Ernesto, be perfect. The, that would be a perfect. Ernesto, way to the open whole the fucking. The whole fucking show was around that they were working for Hulu. Yeah. So, so, I, honestly, that if they do get picked up by another streaming service, what genius writing that they can come up with? With like, we got canceled, but then we got picked up, and now we're working for so and so. And then I wonder if they could air their season one on whatever streaming service they have. Like, do they or do they have the rights to? Are they going to have the rights to air both seasons, or are you going to have to watch season one on Hulu and then season two through ten? On, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm speaking it into existence. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on, uh, uh, on Netflix or something. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. I really hope it does get picked up because we 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 talked very highly about that show, especially in our best of 2022. Um, it was a breakout hit for us. It was I don't so understand. So funny. They're so funny. <laughs> uh, what a shame that Hulu didn't see the potential that show had. That a lot of people did. Even got nominated for stuff too. I don't. I don't get that one. And what that the, one's a King of Michael Key just can't catch a break on a series. 
You're right. He can't. I mean, what was the he other can't. one? Friends from uh, College. Friends what from an, College. What another yeah. great TV series that he was on that got canceled too early. Yes, yeah, it really it was really shocking that that I was really shocked. Like, wow, that one really? Yeah. At least give it a second season. That was it was good, but for some streaming services, it's all about the numbers, man. Yeah, I guess. Um, which is sad. Which that's very very sad. Um, and the last bit of cancellation, which is tied to it, like another um another branching off of news that American Gigolo, which was a show on Showtime starring John um John, oh, damn it, the Punisher. Um. John Berthold. Berth- Thank you. Um, he, his that show on Showtime got canceled after one season, but that is attached to a bigger piece of news that Paramount and Showtime are now going to be one. There, it's going to be one streaming service slash paid TV channel that you can get. It, it's very is, weird. Is it going to be like a premium thing? So, so, it, so now, so Showtime is going to. Okay, the way that I understand it, and I was reading it earlier this morning, and I was like, I, I don't understand what really you're doing, but you're kind of already doing it. So right now, you can ha- you can buy the Paramount Plus slash Showtime bundle right now. So you can have both streaming ser- well, both the, the Showtime and Paramount Plus under one bundle. So that's already a thing. Let's put it out there. Uh, because they're all owned by the same company. Um, but now it looks like that they want to make it into one thing where it's going to be called Paramount Plus with Showtime. A long name. Just call. Just 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 call it Paramount Plus. You don't need to put with Showtime in the back end of that. Uh, but Show it appears Paramount. that <laughs> Paramount time. <laughs> Paramount. Time. I like that one. It's Paramount time. I mean, damn, they got. They could have got a little creative with that. Yeah, they really could have. But sure, Paramount with Showtime. Um, so like, I just find it just really weird that they're. But also in the process, they've announced that they're doing some layoffs and they're also taking, like I said, that American Juggalo show, they're taking it off of Showtime. You can no longer watch it. They're pulling the same shit that HBO Max did where like, we're going to, we're going to, you can probably find it on video on demand. Another streaming service might pick it up just to air it, but we are no longer to have it on our streaming service, probably to save money on making, you know, housing that content that there's no longer going to be more of. Yeah, that's service um, like, we could Exactly. We could use that for other things. <laughs> exactly. So... Yeah, so I guess so they said that they said that the merger is going to be officially sometime in 2023. So I guess with your Paramount Plus subscription, you will have all the content of Showtime without making it a bundle. And then I guess if you have Showtime as a paid service of your cable subscription, I guess in theory you might have some of the Paramount Plus shows as well if you do it that way. Interesting. So, so I guess that's what the idea is around that, but. Yeah, I mean, this isn't something that's new. HBO Max is doing it with obviously their Discovery. Um, so, but now they're calling it the first streaming service to integrate it with cable TV. And I said, calm down. HBO Max did it with HBO. Yeah. <laughs> you clearly weren't paying attention over there at Warner Brothers. <laughs> Wake up! <laughs> so you missed the train. <laughs> yeah. We're already there. Welcome to the yes. party. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So it's unclear if like they're going to have more money to develop more shows because technically it's all, all under one entity. Um, so there's that option. Um, who some knows? good shows, though. I they mean, do have some good shows. Uh, Shameless, Ray Donovan, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Nurse Jackie. Uh, the United States of Terra. There's there's quite a few yeah. that I've seen that I really that I really enjoyed. 
their their lightest hit was uh yellow jackets oh yeah which yellow was jackets a, that's right which huge hit for them uh they have a show right now with brian cranston called your honor which is about to air its second and final season looks like i had a two-season run um but yeah that was pretty popular and, and from what i noticed as well um but yeah so we'll see what's going on it's unclear if they're going to raise the price now since technically you're getting two services in one uh, they but probably will Probably, they probably like at will. least like a dollar. They're like, how how much can we raise it? How much can we get, get away with raising it with yeah. this merger? <laughs> <laughs> um, so there we go. That's all the entertainment news we have for you guys this week. There was a lot to discuss, especially all the DC content coming last minute. But thank you for riding that wave with us. As always, you can find all the latest and breaking news on our social media channels, on Instagram at box office underscore bingers, and on our Facebook page at box office bingers. We'll post all of the news over there first and then we'll come back to the show and talk about it but then so to speak maybe i think dc was like technically depending on if you're watching or or on our social media channels you might see it there first, or you might listen to you know either way all the content is everywhere on our social media channels on our podcast um so now we're going to be diving into a fun segment we like to call what you're watching ernesto what have you been watching so i've been on the oscar train let's just say that I've been like, okay. I've been trying to gear up. I was like, you know what? This year, I'm just gonna watch all the Oscar shit as early as possible because the past years I kind of put it off to the end, and I'm like, oh, like trying to watch all these shorts, like trying to squeeze it in, and like what little time I have. So I'm trying to get it, trying to do better about it now. Okay. So so a soft tease. Well, kind of. I saw the movie we're gonna be reviewing next week. Women. Women talking. Women, 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 women talking. talking. Yes. 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 Women talking. So I saw that. So we're going to have our full review on that. Uh, that that will okay. be for next week's show. I saw the Oscar-nominated animated feature, Turning Red, for the first like in length for the first time. Okay. Um, my only thoughts were, wow, these these all these kids have a lot of dispensable income to just pay this girl all this all this money to just show up as a panda like like, these kids have a hundred this i mean they made a 200 what kind of 13 year old just has 200 dollars in cash and just kind of can make that kind of deal just like it's all good especially in 2002 that was my i don't know i don't know disney's (laughs) <laughs> I don't, I do not believe in it. Um, what did you think of the movie as a whole? Yeah. I actually, I thought it was good. I thought it actually had a yeah. touching like mother daughter story. I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. I could, I can see why it was nominated. Um, yeah, it was kind of weird. Like the girl, like I don't really see the whole like oh promoting to be rebellious because in the end she like embraced who she was, but also like accepted the fact that she was growing up. I actually thought it was a great analogy for kids growing up. So yeah, I, that, that's a good point. I liked it actually. <clears throat> I I think for me, my only gripe with the movie was that the third act went a little went a little overboard with the pandas. Like I I no, like every, I, I liked it because I, it was it was to show like what what they did before like that none of them were wanted to break the cycle that they stay true to their their years of generation and in the end like she was the one who changed the cycle like they even have the very specific scene of individually one by one walking yeah. through in the very end you know she separates from her mom saying that she's going to forge her own path i don't i mm-hmm. don't know i was i was okay with the i was okay, okay with the analogy but i mean i mean mama 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 <laughs> fox was like or uh, i'm sorry was mama it, bear mama bear she was she, panda bear she was huge i mean she was yeah like, <laughs> she was I was like, she was like Godzilla bear. I was like, oh, she was... shit. I was like, that's... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, that, but that was part. 
but it's funny. That because, was a part, yeah. Well, it's just Go funny ahead. because it's like they they showcase her as like this like very poised woman, like very put together and always about honor. Like you would assume that she was this person that that's always been perfect and always been that way, when in fact it was this massive beast that she was just containing inside of her, and you know that's what was kept her in line. I don't yeah, know. it was it was a cute movie. It was it was cute and definitely way better than Lightyear. I will say that. Oh, that's without a doubt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I I don't. Is this the one? Which is which is the animated feature that got pushed to Disney Plus? Was it this one? It was. Well, the last three Pixar movies got pushed to Disney Plus, which was Luca, which was Turning fun. Red. Luca was fine. Turning red and oh no, sorry, it was Soul first. Mm. It was Soul, then it was Luca, then it was Turning Red, and Lightyear was Pixar's return to the theaters, See, which they should have flipped. I up. believe, yeah, I think I think a lot of people said that Turning Red should have been the return to theaters, but for some reason they elected not to. And then literally later that year, Lightyear was the one to put back in the theaters. So. Yeah, I don't know. It was a it was a good film. I think it actually would have been a great movie to see in the theaters. Yeah, it I wasn't think so over too. the there weren't too many themes that were over the top. They, she made like one brief mention in one scene. I don't know. I was I it was fun. I was okay with it. Yeah. Okay. Um also I saw the Fire Love documentary. Mm-hmm. It, it was fine. It was cool. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> it, okay. it was it was interesting, so to speak. And like I didn't I didn't I wasn't in you know I didn't love it. But I thought it was it was it was fine. You got I learned a few things. Yeah, yeah, I learned I learned a few things. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I guess if a documentary can do that, then I'm okay. <laughs> it yeah. did its job. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was good. It was good. I, but I think maybe that would have been better as a as a docu short. I think maybe that. Oh, was, I it see. It was it was a little too long for me. Maybe that's I felt like yeah. it was a good it would have that's a great love story, but that could have been told in like. I mean, some docu no, shorts are like forty-five minutes. Like that's true. <laughs> the one that's I started today, point. I was gonna watch today. It was like so short. It's basically a movie. It's forty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you make a good point. That could have been told in like forty, like forty-five minutes or yeah. so. There was a lot of extra information, but I do find like they. I, what I found interesting about that documentary was that it was a lot of like your your devotion into volcanoes, and you also found somebody that loves volcanoes equally as yourself and that's how you find like, that love in that person yeah i mean exactly i love, the, I love them i understand exploring that duality like they have this like they explore volcanoes and they have this passion this great passionate explosive relationship I, yeah there you I, go I, yeah I <laughs> and they literally <laughs> and they literally died for for yeah. that love as well together it is a very sad ending. but they yes, but it, it comes but it but it almost comes off as like happy but it has a mm-hmm. very tragic ending. They died burning to death. <laughs> yes, but doing the thing they love, I guess. You know, it's it's kind of I don't know. It kind of has a morbid tone to it. <laughs> it does. I, I agree with you there, especially because like, I didn't know how it was going to end. But like, I didn't think it was going to end like that. Yeah, I was, I was not like, expecting oh my that. God. I would, I would <laughs> yeah. love to have seen them like in rocking chairs, like old or I, I don't know, like, to make it a little bit longer. I mean, yeah. How many good people who are just trying to explore what they do, like, and how many just shitty people are just still living their lives? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Why? Like, we have to lose. It's just a sad story to see when we lose good people who are trying to do. And look, he's trying to do good work and explore the world and understand how our planet works. 
Yeah, and I think the documentary also showcase of like that information that they were able to collect is still used today. Like yeah. they they pushed the boundaries on what we can understand about volcano and in theories it probably saved lives as well yeah. in the process. Um, and then I knocked out. Oh, oh! I also watched the Oscar animated feature, The Sea Beast. Ooh, great film! Man, right? It was so good. It was a little yes. Long. It was a little sure. long. It was a little long, but all in all, it was a great, entertaining film. And damn, I feel like Carl Urban is just such an underrated actor. Like he is. He is. I, I was like, I love the music in that movie as well. Like the music really works. The score really works. Um, animation is like. It's beautiful. So so yeah. well done. Really well done. It it's surprising to hear that like Netflix is minimizing their animation division because they put out some good work. I don't know yeah. why. I mean, obviously it's revolving around money, but like you can you can do that. You did it with Pinocchio as well. Like you're very capable of funding great animated works. Don't don't diminish that. Yeah. Stop funding these shitty reality TV shows. <laughs> And fund some high quality animation with good animators. <laughs> Speak. Well, the, the reality shows are cheaper, Nestor. But are Still. you are you familiar? Are you familiar with what's coming out this month? And a uh, little tease for new to streaming. If you're not aware, there's a show, a reality show called Perfect Match. Right. Of course. Okay. Get this. You get the stars from all of your other favorite reality shows, like The Circle, uh, Love is Blind, um, Too Hot to Handle, and another one I don't remember. And they're all coming together to find love in the perfect match. <sighs> Great. <laughs> yeah, let's. Yeah, Netflix, give us more of that. <laughs> give us more of that high-quality entertainment. I mean, obviously, there's a market for it because they wouldn't be keep making these shows if people weren't watching them. That's a hundred percent correct. Yes. I just I feel like there's just this weird stigma around watching animation. Like, oh, you're such yes. a oh, you're such a child. You watching cartoons? Yes, because there's some great fucking stories in cartoons. It's the same. Oh thing. my god. It's the same debate of watching foreign films. Like, you just have to get over yourself. Like, it doesn't have yeah. to be like. Like in like in a live action perfect thing, like it, what it would be in reality. Like there are some beautiful animation out there with some great voice actors and put out great work. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 many times that animation's a medium, but but it's not a medium specifically for children. Yes. I mean, it originated that way for sure. Yeah. But anime has proved. Very much so that animation is not just for children. Yeah. And they well, and invincible. I think we. It, absolutely invincible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's a clear distinction yeah. there. Yeah. And there is some great work out there that's from animated, and it doesn't. And and so yes, obviously Disney and Pixar and DreamWorks are targeting a younger audience, but that doesn't mean you diminishing it because it's targeted to younger audience. I mean, and I mean right now, I mean Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio is not for a younger audience for sure. It's definitely, definitely not. Definitely not. No. Yeah. It's. It, I um, mean. Yeah, it's kind of it walks the line. <laughs> it does walk the line, but also the Sea Beast. It's a fun movie. It's a yeah. family movie. At yeah, all ages absolutely. can enjoy it. Yeah, we watched it. And there's a good. It was great. Yeah, it's it, it tells a great story, uh, beautifully animated. Um, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it was much better. I honestly, I think it was better than Pixar's two offerings that they had. Even Disney, like Strange World, Turning Red, Lightyear, the the kings of animation over here. I'm looking over at Netflix. I'm like, the Sea Beast is where it's at right now. That was a well told story. It's a great one. Uh, that's that's not that's not um, DreamWorks or Disney. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, but yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you enjoyed it because I also enjoyed it. And then I knocked out most of the animated shorts. I think I have the one I have left is the one from Apple TV. Uh, the boy, the mole, the fox. I, I don't remember the name. The yeah, the, the, a lot of the animals and yeah, it's and all the something. animals and the little boy. <laughs> the little... Um, <laughs> but I but I watched my year of dicks. It was an interesting. Mm-hmm. That was an interesting one. Um, I, <laughs> I watched The Flying Sailor, another really interesting one, and Ice okay. Merchants, which which as soon as I don't, did you have did you watch it yet? The only one I've seen was My Year of Dicks. Okay, so there's something that happens, and I don't even know. I, do you want me to tell you, or do you want to? No, wait? I want to be. No, I want to wait. Okay. I'll, I'll watch it. When you watch, we can it, talk about it next week. I'll watch right. it. Yeah. So when you watch it. You let me know. But there's something – when there's something happens, I already – like I immediately called exactly where where they were heading with it. Okay. And so with, between the three that you watched, was there any one of them that you enjoyed more than the other? Can you see – well, actually, let me rephrase. Can you see why it was nominated? Was anything particularly with the animation or with the story that intrigued you for to receive a nom? Okay. Ice Merchants. The animation was cool. Um, but – primarily i think it was for the story it was trying to tell uh flying sailor it was uh it, that was that one was weird that's another <laughs> thing I watched. it was it was a weird it was a weird one it just yeah. started weird it ended weird it, i i i guess like it, it, it maybe it was trying to tell the story of, it was maybe trying to tell the story of life but ironically yeah the one that i thought actually told kind of a interesting story was the my year of dicks the one i was yeah. the most adverse to watching was the one that actually told the story and that like i kind of saw where they were going and we went on the, i felt like we were on the journey with this teenage girl so it was it yeah. was an interesting short actually i i enjoyed it I, yeah i also enough <laughs> weirdly enough yeah and also i i also enjoyed it too i think there was a video that played immediately after i finished watching that which was like a five minute behind the scenes of it and it was this like it was the story was based off the like a memoir of the creator and so she had wrote in a diary of these these incidences that she had when she was a child and you know growing up and they decided to animate that and i mean the the short itself was 25 minutes but it was but they told like four or five five minute stories yeah. within that which was which was interesting yeah um of her kind of her experiences as an adolescent, uh, growing up as a teenager, different boys, different relationship that she was forming. Um, and, and I thought what was also great about it was that each story was a different style of animation. Yes. Like it to it as well. Yes. Which I think that was for me, the, the, the factor I enjoyed it most about it. And it was also like a fun story to kind of dive into as well. I enjoyed it. I, I, I haven't seen the other two yet, but I was like, I can see why that one was nominated. I, I enjoyed that one. It was very creative, um, and it told a very personal story, which I think helps. Um, so, yeah, I, I like that one. I, I, I did. Yeah, I can I, see I'm why curious. it was nominated. So, yeah, I'm curious I, about I'm very... this other one. I think we're, we're still missing – there's one we still don't have that. We don't know where we can get access to it. <clears throat> Yeah, there's it's called, it's called an ostrich told me the world is fake and I think I believe it. Like that that one is not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but for all of the um, 
uh, the, 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 at least since we're on the topic, all the animated short films, um, are available. Four out of the five ones that are nominated, the, the bull, sorry, the bull, (laughs) the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse is available on Apple TV Plus. The flying sailor is on YouTube through the New Yorker channel, um, as well as the ice merchants. My year of dicks is currently on Vimeo. If you just type in the name, the video should pop up. And then the, the ostrich one is currently not available online. So once we do find it, uh, you know, we'll go to watch it. And then, you know, if, if anyone's interested, we'll post it as well. Um, but yeah, so uh, I'm glad that most of them are available because it's, sometimes it's a struggle to find some of these. Yeah, the New York is really good about putting they, – they seem to, to take over the, the animated shorts. Yeah, absolutely. They did last year as well. Um, but yeah, so I, I I'm once <laughs> – once uh, I dive into those two, Ernesto, uh, we'll talk about it next yes, week. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but let's see. That's uh, yeah, that's all I got. I think the next thing. I think the next category I'm going to hit is the documentary shorts. Documentary shorts. Yeah, we have three out of the. Uh, sorry, we have four out of the five available as well. Two of them on Netflix, and two of them are on YouTube. Maybe also brought to you by the New Yorker, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe different channels, but yeah. Um, but yeah, all right. I can. I'm, I'll see if I can also dive on that train with you. Maybe we can talk about it all before next week. Okay. Um, that's all you got? Yeah, that's all I got. Okay. Um, Ernesto, as you are fully aware of, and I've talked about this before um, in, in various episodes, that I have a movie list. I, there's a list of movies that I like to, that I, that is on the list, and I try to watch them and dada yada, the ones that interest me. <clears throat> Also, a Megan's working. She travels for work. She has been gone for almost a month now. So my goal was to complete said list. Uh-huh. I was just going to watch all the movies that were remaining, at least the ones that were available to me, I should say, um, that I was going to tackle and get on that list. And I am proud to say, this is only a personal goal of mine. I'm patting myself on the back here, but I, I, I completed it. I got to the point where I only had like 10 more movies left to watch, and that's typically a list that's in the 70s. Ooh, so Matthew. I was, I was just now, – now, when I started this journey, I was in the 30s. Um, I covered a lot of it when I had COVID back in June. I, I told you I watched like 40 movies, <laughs> yeah. and I just hit one after the next. And then since Megan was gone and I'm just sitting at home, I decided I'm just going to tackle them again. Um, and so right now I watched like another 20 or so within the last few weeks. Um, so yeah, I hit that number to 10 and now I'm just keeping up with what's newly released either in the theaters or when it pops in streaming, I'm refusing to pay for it because I pay for all the other streaming services. I'll wait for it to come and I'll you come watch to it me. <laughs> yeah, you come to me. <laughs> I, I pay for anybody for all of these, uh, as well as the theaters. So I'm going to go there and watch them. Um, but yeah, so with that, I, I'm going to talk about a few of them that I watched that's on the list, as well as I feel like you know soon you're going to be hearing me talk a lot more about TV shows and mm. some older films since the newer stuff I'm kind of caught up with. Um, that being said, I watched – at least the, the last film I want to talk about that was on the list was I saw Pearl, the, mm. um, the horror film. sequel – the horror film that's sequel to X. And I feel like it's less of a horror film. I have an appreciation for what uh, Ty West, I believe the director, was trying to do with this series. The first one was supposed to be like a campy, um, like 
in a way, like a campy porno film, mm-hmm. because the whole point of the movie was that they were filming a porno in this like this this farm, and then the old lady in the farm was either like the old lady that was living there was trying to kill them, and it turned into a horror flick as they were trying to make a movie themselves, and it was also shot in a very different and unique way, like kind of very similar to how like you know a seventies porno would be, I guess so to speak, um, but with Pearl. He decided to make a prequel to this, to, to X, like a younger version of the old lady. And it takes place in like in the 1920s or something mm-hmm. along those lines. Um, and it is, it's, it's has, it's weird to say this, but it has the feel of like a technicolor film that was made in the early thirties. And like around the time of like how, uh, um, the wizard of Oz would have been made. Oh, wow. and. Like it's it's a vivid colors. Yes, um, yeah. It, it's it's very interesting how he made the movie. Some of the cinematography was great, and a great monologue by Maya Golf, who is the lead actress in this. And like there was like, I want to say like close to an eight to ten minute scene of the camera just sitting on her as she is launching this monologue. And I was like, oh my god! I'm like, this is going on for forever. We haven't we didn't cut away, and she is just rambling on this and like really just showcasing how depressed and psychotic she is and you see that within that eight minutes and i was like that is some great acting and that is some great way to t- to just to, to release this information i was quite shocked of how much i enjoyed it more than x and like he has something here mm. so I'm, and he kind of filmed this at the same time, and so I'm curious if he's going to be elaborating more on this on this series, or I'm very curious of what he does next, because it's like he's approaching filming in a unique way that I haven't seen in other films before, especially in the horror genre. So I recommend giving that a watch if you haven't already. X is currently on Showtime. Um, and I think Pearl will follow eventually. I rented Pearl at Redbox, so um, that's where I got it from. Mm. Um, and I also saw Clerks 3 on Redbox as well, which was Kevin Smith's newest film. And I will have to say that it was a, a lot sadder than I thought it was going to be. Oh, really? You enjoyed it? I enjoyed it, yeah. I, I really much enjoyed it. And I, I watched Clerks 1 and 2 beforehand, um, and I think as, as watching it as a trilogy, I really, I, I, it, it, it works better for a trilogy than it does standalone films, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like, I think he capped it off in a very sentimental and nostalgic way while also telling a very personal story. And that is felt through the film, like, like the first, the, uh, the whole movie is about like, you know, these, they're older now and they're still working at the quick stop and one of them has a heart attack, very similar to Kevin Smith having a heart attack in his own life. And so then after the heart attack, he has a realization that, like, I've been watching movies all my life. Um, I've never seen a movie about us, basically, the clerks who run the store. So the rest of the movie it turns into a meta situation where it's a movie. They're making the first clerks movie. Ah. Even, so mu- even so much so that when the when they complete the film and they're showing it, you're seeing scenes from the first movie and it hits better because these they, they, they these are the same actors you're just seeing a younger version of them almost in a way of like this is how i see myself in the film as a younger version of myself oh. um 
so it's it it plays really well into the whole meta-ness of it and like you can tell that kevin smith went into like a, a really personal state to present this movie and a lot of the corniness that was probably in the first movie and especially in the second movie really redeems himself in the third movie and i was like wow this is the best clerks i've seen out of the trilogy like he really he really put the story together and he he definitely capped it off like this is the end of that story as well so especially for for you know if you're a fan of kevin smith's work then obviously you're going to enjoy this movie but just as a you know, I listen to Kevin Smith's podcast, so I have a lot more information than maybe the average person would do about him as a director. And so, and he when he was talking about this movie, and he said that he this was very personal to him, and I knew the the the, the basics of it, but actually seeing it, you can feel it. Like even so much so that when he when uh when I put in the 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 DVD because I also got this on Redbox, when I put in the DVD, there was like a three minute introduction before the menu even popped up. Of like, hey, I'm Kevin Smith. I want to thank everyone for, at the time, you know, you're, you're purchasing the DVD. It's like, thank you for purchasing this. You know, uh, uh, this is a rare medium nowadays of actually person. Of, uh, <laughs> he made it pretty funny. He was like, actually purchasing physical media. Like, you can own this. You like, it might be on a streaming service, but it also might not be. So you have it. You can watch it whenever you want to. And it was kind of funny. But he was also explaining how like personal this movie was, and so much so he wanted to thank everyone before he even hits the menu. On it as well, so you can tell how pa- how passionate he was about this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and, and that definitely bleeds through. So if you haven't already, I recommend watching Clerks three, especially if you watch the other two preceding it. Um, and then now diving into some of the older stuff that came out that I've never seen before. For the first time, I saw A League of Their Own, the mm-hmm. the baseball all female baseball movie, um, and that was good. I, I really enjoyed it. Tom Hanks had a really funny performance in it. I didn't realize he was an asshole in that movie. And then it's kind of like his progression of being a better person was also in that movie. But he had a great performance. Um, and then that led into me watching The League of Their Own, the TV series that's on Amazon Prime. Oh, the new one with Darcy Darden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's a very different movie. It is not at all trying to recreate the film. Um, that is a completely different series, tackling different um, storylines, uh, heavy into the um, the LGBTQ community. There's definitely a lot of gay romance in the film as well. I'm sorry, in the series. So, yeah, they're definitely telling a completely different story. And I enjoyed it for what it was. I don't know if it's going to be – it wasn't it hasn't been renewed for a season two yet. Um, I don't know if I'll jump on it immediately. But is it related to A League of Their Own? Because isn't it the same name or is it like the same – it's the same story. It's okay. like, it like in, in the same vein of how the movie was loosely based off the actual real life story of some of the players as well as just the idea of when the when the men were at war, the woman played baseball. I feel like the series just took that concept of like when the men are at war, the women play baseball. And then they ran with their own story from that. Mm. So I don't think it was based off of any particular person. Okay. In the series, yeah. So as as its own series, I I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, I don't think I'll jump on quickly to a season two, but it, it's it's definitely like lighthearted as well with some you know pretty you know I wouldn't I don't want to use the word dark, but there were some heavy drama moments in there as well. Oh. Um, but and then honestly, surprisingly, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Ron Swanson. Uh, Nick Offerman. Thank you. He was in it, and I was like, oh. He he kind of played the 
the the the Tom Hanks character in the series. Uh, not for long, though, and definitely not not the, to the same outcome as as Tom Hanks. But he filled that role briefly and then moved on to something else, I guess. Um, and the last movie that I watched uh, was Goodwill Hunting. I've never oh, seen wow. it's Goodwill Hunting before. It's been a long time since I've seen it. How'd you find? how you did you rent it? No, I uh, it was on. It was funny. I was actually look. What was I looking for? I was looking for a completely different movie, uh, and I don't remember what that movie was. And then I was like, oh, well, this app lied to me. You said you were on show. T- oh, I was looking for The Unusual Suspects because I'd never seen that movie either. Mm. And it said it was on Showtime, and it wasn't there. And I was like, oh, okay, so I guess I'm not watching it. And then in the process of I saw Goodwill Hunting was there, and I was like, oh, i never seen that one. I'll play it. I just played it. It was like one of those moments where I was like, oh, the kind of when you're channel surfing, it's like, oh, I've never seen that one. Just put it on. Um, so that I had that kind of moment because I, I have Paramount Plus with Showtime. So <laughs> uh, so I have the bundle. So I, I have some of the Showtime content. So I watched it there. Um, it was fine. I, I didn't think it was. I feel like I had that movie up a lot more than I thought it was going to be. Um, the movie was good, though. Robin Williams was fantastic. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised to hear that, you know, that Ryan, I'm sorry, uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon directed that movie. I'm sorry, wrote that movie. I like, I, I can't imagine them writing a movie like this and then not really doing it again and further furthering their career. Yeah, exactly. Um, because that's a very like more or less like a smart movie, especially all the dialogue that they were spewing because of Matt Damon being this genius. Um, but yeah, but it was also, I mean, I think it was also a movie that won two Oscars, I think. I think for, for Robin Williams' performance and uh, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, orig, uh, original screenplay. Let's I see. I think it was. It won two Oscars. Uh, best actor for supporting role. Best writing mm-hmm. for Bet, Matt, okay. um, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck. But it was also nominated yeah. for Best Picture. Uh, Mini Driver was nominated for Best Actress, Best Director, Best Editing, Best mm. Original Song, and Best Score. Oh, wow. Danny Elfman. Wow. Danny Elfman, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, for that time, what was it? What, 1997? What? 97, yeah. For the 1998 so, awards. Awards, right, right. yeah. Yeah, I can, I can see it for all those things. I just didn't... I didn't get swept into the movie as well as maybe... At the time, the Academy did back in the day. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's all I've been watching. Um, so now moving on to another movie that swept the Academy away <laughs> at this year's Academy Awards. Uh, we're going to be diving into our spoiler review of the six-time Oscar-nominated film Tar, starring Kate Blanchett and written and directed by Todd Field. Ernesto, dare I ask, your thoughts on the movie? What do you think? <laughs> uh, well, I'll just tell you. I did not like this movie. <laughs> I mean, it barely kept me interested up until... It, it's sad that the thing that really started to hook me in... There's two things. This this weird back and forth she had with this, with this student in her class. I mm-hmm. thought that was mildly entertaining, which obviously we saw reconnect later on in the story. And then... Yes. Um, when we find out that her an ex person who was sent to her from another company committed suicide, that's when I was like, oh, mm-hmm. 
this something interesting is happening. I need to pay attention. <laughs> oh, like, I, okay. I, I don't know. I was bored. I was bored the first hour of this film. Um, the only interesting part of this movie is learning how shitty a person she is. Like, you can tell from her assistant and that girl that they knew um, her and uh, uh, Sarah, I think the girl who was in the pit, the violinist. Like, oh, yeah, when yeah. They saw her connecting with Olga. Like, they, it felt like they immediately knew what was happening. Like, oh, mm-hmm. the new girl's getting cycled in. Which one of us yeah. is on our way out? Mm-hmm. Like, uh I don't know. I mean, there were some good themes about like social media and like there's something to be said about how they cut it differently, but it still doesn't change the fact that she was a shitty person who did shitty things. And all it did was amplify how shitty she was. And all social media showed, you know, showed her, her woman or wife, or I don't know what, I don't know what they officially were, but that she was cheating on her with, with this other yeah, girl. With... And not even and actually not even cheating on her. She was just with her and made her speculate and that and the other girl actually didn't want anything to do with her. <laughs> right, right. Um so it's funny that you said that you were bored in the first hour and was entertained in the last half. I was more entertained in the first hour and less entertained in the back half. <laughs> because I felt like to 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 your point, and I think we're both kind of saying the same thing but different. The first hour was a completely different movie yes. from the second half of the movie. Yeah. And I I was leaning into more of like, okay, here's this this person in the height of her career, this like very egotistic artist that and we were kind of diving into. And I was mildly entertained by that of like, okay, she really knows her stuff. She's very particular. I honestly thought the opening was great. Well, oh, sorry, not the not when it was cut to black, getting the credits, and we were hearing this random song. And that was really not... interesting too. I was like, oh, I was like, oh, we're getting all the credits. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting, yeah, they showed all the credits in that's there. A, that's a that's a way to open a, an already slow film. <laughs> yes, and it was a weird song they played in the beginning, but no, not that part. What proceeded afterward was like the introduction of her character. Mm. They put out a lot of dialogue and a lot of exposition into who she is. And I thought that was executed very well. And then that diving into the interview, which she was talking about her career and mastering this this set that she was doing from a famous composer um, with the same orchestra or whatever they were doing. I thought all that was great. And I thought we were – honestly, what I thought this movie was from that moment was her, her descent to madness mm-hmm. trying to achieve that goal of with the same orchestra trying to – uh complete the set that she was doing i was very disappointed when we got away from that and all of a sudden this turned into a um you know the person who was at the pinnacle of her career getting accused of accusations and then she has to backpedal and trying to save her ass but also taking everybody down the process and now her name is tarnished and uh, all that stuff that went into it and, you know, her de- basically descent of her career at the height of it. And I was like, what, what is this movie trying to tell you? What is the movie trying to be? And like, what, what, why is this movie? Okay. Why is this movie nominated? Like, I just <laughs> let's, let's start there. Yeah. Kate Blanchett. Okay. Yeah. She played a great, crazy, narcissistic, crazy person. Um, but other than that, this movie was not good. Like, well, I, 
Yeah, okay, well, so let, let, well, I will say, like, the back half was mildly interesting. See, what I liked about the back yeah. half was that we were exploring, she was, like, almost exploring, like, the limits of her power and, like, yes. and how and how obsessed she was. Like, her laying in bed and being able to hear, like, the fridge running and, like, mm-hmm. being able to hear, like, random ticking, like, halfway across the house, like, or even when she's running outside like things that she would hear like she the the way that she hears sound it's the way that her brain works that's what makes her like she's aware of what makes her great like her eyes yes. like some of you know like some photographers it's their eye for her it's her her ears like mm-hmm. she has exceptional ears she has an exceptional ear for sound um, but we we never really dived i mean we saw it yes but like we never really saw her performing that action Like with the exception of like we never we didn't see a lot of her conducting more or less of like really buying into we saw some of the process of leading into it. But then we never saw like a resolution of it because of what was happening in her personal life. Um, But then we again, we saw more of that in the beginning when she was in that teaching that class and like humiliated that kid that was that's that was there, which I thought was a great scene. And also, I'm not sure if you noticed, but that whole scene was a one shot like how I thought the cinematography in the beginning of the film was great. Well, I didn't realize it was a one shot, but that's interesting that you notice that because the main thing that they talk about when we call back to that scene about a video that was edited, it, mm-hmm. it represents a video that was edited. Um, you know, she said it, the, the audio was edited weird. So, like, it's interesting that they chose to shoot that scene as a one shot for like that was obviously oh, on yes. purpose. Like, that, that's a, oh, I didn't that's even a, think of it that way. That's that's pretty cool. I didn't I didn't think about that. So that that I, I okay, okay Tar, <laughs> <laughs> okay Tar. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that that's a good point. I didn't even think about that too because yeah, we got to see the whole scene, but then all of a sudden we see like a very poorly edited version of what actually happened in that room just to put her in a bad light. Yeah. And even she said like, "This is what the fuck is this? It's like this is this is this can't hold up in court. This is garbage." Yeah. Um. I mean, n- now that being said, what she said in that room was not great things either wasn't better it wasn't much better wasn't better wasn't much better no but they just took out like the really really bad parts of what she said in there and also we also opened the movie with her with i'm assuming her assistant filming her in a negative light throughout the whole movie and we got like little vignettes of her doing so yes that's right um which i never felt like it paid off to the full extent that I thought it was going to. There's a lot of things that didn't. And this is so <laughs> we got a lot of buildup that I thought was mildly interesting. And then we get to the end with zero payoff. She goes up and she assaults Mark Strong. And yeah. I would assuming a wig or maybe that's his hair. I don't, I don't know anymore. Like, I, remember, I only know him hair. as the bald guy from Kingsman. <laughs> <laughs> she assaults this man because he's, he's doing her thing now. She gets escorted out. She goes mm-hmm. to this deposition. And then she like goes to her house, I'm assuming, because she yeah. talks to her brother in the middle of fucking nowhere, and it's like you don't know where you're going, you don't know where you've been, so I don't know. <laughs> like, I, and then and then all of a sudden she's in like, I'm, is it like Singapore or I'm not really yeah, sure. A different what country, country. some yeah. kind of different country, and she's conducting like, what's funny enough, she's doing conducting for like the. Um, like people for watch the movie like they do it for harry potter like you can watch the movie yeah. and you can watch the movie with the live orchestra and she's doing right for like some kind of some kind of fantasy drama but yeah like, what, i so thought it was we, we get no resolution about what how shitty of a person she is and like like nothing comes up of her like abandoning this poor child who 
was obsessed with her and wanted to be her. We don't even get to see the resolution of that. I, I, this, they had they yeah. had some things there that they just left on the table. Like, like we're just going to yeah. let you see her be a shitty person. And that's it. And that's just how it's going to end. <laughs> and, you, and you make a good point because I feel like, yeah, they did a lot of buildup for – I think you're right. They did a lot of buildup in many ways. The first hour was a buildup that what then we were building up to this and we completely negated that and went somewhere else. And then when we started going down the personal life story and how – you know, all the accusations were coming in and she was being accused of all these things. Then we were seeing that build up, which I guess the climax was her <laughs> bum rushing the, the conductor and was like, this is my, this is my moment and end up going downhill from there. And it's weird because it almost felt like that she went back home to go back into her roots and it's like, okay, this is why I love music. And at that point just embraced that she's a bad person decided to run away from everything, including her wife and her daughter and ran away to a different country. And then it almost felt like that. It was like a negative thing that she was composing for this series or this, um, video game. I don't know what it was, but it could have been a movie or some sort, some fantasy movie. And she was doing a live orchestra of that. That was in a different country. And, are we supposed to feel sad for her? Are we happy for her? Yeah, are, are we, we happy, happy for her? She just abandoned this poor family who did nothing wrong. And she literally even tells her, her poor wife was like, if you had just told me, I would have stood, the least I deserve was to know so that I could know and I could be by your side or, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I at least deserve that. And she was right. Like she just did her wrong. I mean, did she tell her to leave? She make her leave? I don't even. I don't even know. I don't know. It, it's it, we never really got into realization. I I will say that a, a part that I did not like about the movie was that we kept cutting back to the apartment that she had and the neighbor with like the very sick mother, and she had to yeah. go over there and help her. Like that. What was the point of that? Like that that whole sideline. Like it didn't make any sense to me. The only thing that, that apartment signified was the old relationship that she had. Which led to, you know, I'm assuming the similar, the same relationship that led to that woman committing suicide. Um, that she, they might have gone to that apartment a lot to maybe fool around or something. But there was a connection there with that apartment that she was unwilling to let go. And we cut to this person that was living next door um, that she had to help her sick elderly either mother or person uh, help her up. And then, like, there was no reason for any of that. I didn't, I didn't get it. But it did, it did come to a funny scene where, I guess the the family members after the elderly woman passed away was like, hey, we know that you live here and we know your reputation. Can you just like keep it down so you don't scare off the buyers? And then it literally cut to a scene with her and with an accordion saying, apartment for sale, apartment for sale. <laughs> your mother uh, is gone. Your daughter's yeah. in jail. Apartment yeah. for sale. <laughs> See, that was, that was interesting, I, but we didn't get a lot of humanizing moments for her. Like, no. what would have helped is in this two-hour and 20-minute movie that Long we would movie. have gotten, like, make us care about her. They didn't make us care about her, so we couldn't feel for her in any way. All we saw was this narcissistic asshole. Like, you didn't – if maybe if you had humanized her a little bit in the beginning, then maybe we would have cared. But you didn't give it – they didn't give us that. No, they 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 didn't really, and maybe that was a point. They didn't really give her any redeeming qualities either. So maybe we are just to see her as an egotistic bad person. Yeah. Like we see, like we see how she, 
we see what led her to power and then she abused that power by assumingly grooming younger musicians to to assumingly sexual benefits for them to get up into a better status into the orchestra that she's working with. Mm. They never said that she had any sexual relationships with these women. They didn't say that, but we can, we're kind of reading between the lines here of sorts. Um, but it was clear that they were telling two different stories here. I don't know. And to your point, now let's go over and see what this movie was nominated for. We have, we can understand best lead actress to an extent. Yeah. We can, we can kind of see that obviously she was winning the golden globe and the critics choice for it. Um, not compared best, to what else should have been nominated. Like, that's fair. Viola Davis, clearly a, a much better performance last year than mm-hmm. Kate Blanchett in, in Tar. And the sad part is it, it feels like that she might actually win this award too, based off all the other award noms that are going in and she's winning it. Um, well, we also had for best director for Todd Field. I, 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 that I can't see. I can't, I can't agree with that. Um, best original screenplay? Sure, if you want to give him for writing no, a thing. You didn't, but you didn't it, flush out your story of the That's fair. <laughs> that's, that's, you're right. I'll take that back. You're right. I mean, it, maybe it, if you think, I'm sorry, Matt. I, I'm sorry. I don't, I'm just speaking for myself. Like, I just, mm-hmm. I really, just really didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I can I see a small a small seat for for writing, but what because there was a lot of di- a good there. I mean, especially like in the beginning of the beginning of the movie where I described when they were giving her the introduction. I think that was very well written to kind of showcase the audience who this person is professionally and her career wise. But like, but the rest of the film doesn't compare to the few moments. Like, okay, so basically with all these nominations, it wasn't consistent. Like, I can see a scene where there was good writing, but I can't see it for the whole movie. And the same for cinematography, best cinematography. There was one or two scenes that were shot really well, Mm. but not the whole movie. Um, And editing, I don't see where where editing falls into this. I I don't see... Nothing stood out to me editing-wise that this, this was great. Um... So, yeah, I mean, so we can give it to lead actress and best picture. Again, I can't see best picture here nah, either. That, that, nah, I, there's no justification. No, <laughs> there no, is no justification. I'm sorry. It just it just doesn't belong. There's so many other great movies that came out last year. Yeah, especially with the ones that got snubbed. Uh, and we mentioned that last week. But, yeah, Tar doesn't seem like one of them. This is, I think, we have found the definition of this year's Oscar bait. Mm. And I feel like this is this is it. The movie that Academy loves that might not be well enjoyed by the public. And I feel like this is the first one I've seen that was like, yeah, this is that movie. Yeah, but you know what's sad is sometimes you can enjoy Oscar bait, but this was just non-enjoyable Oscar bait. <laughs> it was just yeah, it, it was – like I said, I enjoyed the first half of it like for what it was trying to do. And I thought we were getting a, a good payout because of the long run time, but they went somewhere completely different with it. Um and then, like I mentioned earlier in the episode, Critics' Choice for Best Score. What? What, what movie were you listening to? <laughs> where? Like, <laughs> where, there was visibly no score in the movie with the exception of the musical notes that they put in the movie. Like, when they're actually playing. So, sure, you can give it to... You can, you can, there's an argument of having a nom of writing original music for the movie. But, but the score? That wasn't the score. That was part of the film. Yeah. 
That doesn't count. That, that was... That doesn't count at all. And so I'm happy that the Oscars didn't recognize it for best score because there wasn't one. Yeah, definitely not. There wasn't a score there. That, that to me, baffles me very much. But, Ernesto, your final thoughts? Uh, typical Oscar bait. Unenjoyable Oscar bait. Like, I felt like they, they had some elements that were good there. The movie was like an hour and a half too long. <laughs> like this, oh man like uh, i just i just really didn't enjoy it i just don't see what all the love is for like yeah maybe kate blanchett but even then like i i don't know maybe i was just so sworn off by the movie that i just didn't i didn't want to see it for her like i, I don't know yeah i just i really re- it it took me three different times to watch this movie i fell asleep mm. three times watching this movie <laughs> This feels like another Power of the Dog situation, Esther, for you. A hundred percent. This, this yeah. might be this year's Power of the Dog. Power of the Dog. <laughs> you see, and I and I enjoyed the Power of the Dog more than you did. But I mean, I at least for my comparison, this is this year's The Irishman. Ooh, <laughs> we actually agree. Mm, yeah, well. because I mean, I agree. This is by far the worst Best Picture. That's on like the worst film in the Best Picture category. Absolutely. I don't think it deserves to be up there among the other good movies that are nominated. Agreed. And as of right now, we still have well, – we we're talking about one next week, and you haven't seen Triangle of Sadness. But with nine out – for me, with nine out of the ten already watched, this was by far the least one I was interested in and least one I enjoyed the most. Yeah. Triangle of so, Sadness, I think, is the only one I actually have left. Okay. Oh, that's right because you, you said you saw a woman talking earlier already. this week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, Triangle of Sadness, Ernesto, is – in certain AMC's. Oh, I'm sure it's at mine because the, the yeah. Disney Springs usually has all that stuff. It has a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. a lot of the movies now. Um, I've been seeing even for Regal as well. I've been seeing a lot of movies. Um, they have like one Showtime. They're calling like they're bringing it back because of the Oscars, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they have like one or two Showtimes attached to it just so people can watch it because it was nominated for the Oscar. But anyway, my final thoughts. I agree with you, Ernesto. It's it's not a good movie. Um, there were some moments in there that built that could have built up to a good movie we had like a a solid foundation of what could have been a good movie but in the end result i think it it fell flat and it didn't really make me care about the character it didn't really make me care about the story they were trying to tell i feel like we saw two different movies that didn't really connect well together and ultimately this is an oscar bait this is a movie that somehow the academy really enjoyed that I feel like most of the general public are not going to like as much as they did. Um, and yeah, I guess the only thing that's can be said as far as the six Oscar nominations that it received was maybe I can give it to Kate Blanchett for best actress, but that that's a hard maybe. And that's only because they already did it. So <laughs> like I, I, I can s- Davis. Yeah. We need Kanye or... to go up on the stage of Kate Blanchett. wins. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Uh, so yeah so there you go that's our thoughts on tar um obviously we're probably not gonna be talking much more about this movie but we definitely will be bringing it up again once we have our oscars prediction episode um so with that ernesto uh tell our lovely listeners what they can forward to next week so next week we are going back down the Oscar rabbit hole. I'll probably have a whole other list of Oscar shit that I'm going to watch. I'm going to just see how much of it I can knock out as early as possible. Like, I've already and, almost and that, knocked out one category. Actually, two. Yeah, and, 
And that's good too because honestly, I, I feel like because there are a few things that are not available to stream right now. Yeah. And so the earlier you catch up with some of the stuff that is available, then you're just picking off the remainder ones yeah. after that, which would be a lot easier down the road instead of trying to rush it that we sometimes we typically do. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So that being said, next week we are reviewing Women Talking, um, which is wish I'd had this information pulled up prior. <laughs> so I'm I'm always ready, don't you know? Written and directed by Sarah Polly, uh, screenplay also written by Miriam Toe Toes. Yeah, sorry, Rooney Mara, Claire Foy, Jessica Buckley. Um, yeah, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this movie. Uh, yeah, it's also, it's a short movie, um, well, which is, it's an hour 44, so like, you know, under the two hour mark, it I is should a, say. It is a good, uh, soft tease, it is a good length, it's a good length for, okay. for that movie, it works, okay. the proper length for that film. I will say, Ernesto, uh, this is one of the few movies that, because, because the kind of what you were saying, and what you've been saying for a very long time, since it's nominated for the Oscars, it's a movie that I'm going to see anyway. It's a yeah. movie that we already discussed that we were going to see. Uh, because of the less press about this movie, I didn't really see a trailer that popped up in my radar to even click on it. So I'm not even going to go out of my way to watch the trailer. So I, I literally know nothing about this movie. I know zero, zero things about this movie. I just – okay. I can All I know is what I've seen from the poster is that women talking – and I can see how they're dressed, and I know it's inspired by true events. That's the extent of what I know this movie is. So I don't know what the context is or anything along those lines. So I'm very interested to see what this movie is all about. Mm, okay. Then I'm not going to say anything. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything. You just have don't to watch say anything. it. I'm, I, yes. I want you to go in the exact, way, way, the exact same way that I went in. Okay. Good to know. Um, also, for your reference, Ernesto, if you're looking for more movies to watch as we prep for the Oscars, I did see that Living, uh, the is movie that was yeah, – excuse me. Yes, Living is in theaters. Uh, that is nominated for Best Actor uh, for Bill Nye's performance. And so that just hit theaters as well. So if you're looking – if you're doing what we were doing and trying to grab all the Oscar content, there you go. So I might also try to watch Living as well, a movie that I know nothing about. Same. But I – I think it's the only movie. Yeah, no, yeah, no. I take that back. The other ones after Sun for Paul Massell, um for his performance. I was about to say I thought that was the only category left on that Best Actor, but uh, but I might check out Living. I know nothing about that movie, but you know it's nominated. So if I'm already in the theater, why not? Why not? Make it a double feature. <laughs> um, it's 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 also nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay, so it has two under its belt. Um, but yeah, that's all the show we have for you guys this week. If you want more from us, you can always find us on our social media channels on Instagram at box office underscore bingers and our Facebook and TikTok page at box office bingers. We like to thank everyone for coming each and every week to listen to us just talk about movies and all the stuff that's going on. I think it was a fun episode, Ernesto, yeah, aside from fun. the movie, the movie that we didn't really enjoy that much, yeah, but fun. I we like had, we, we had epic news. We had epic news to talk about in the beginning, so it makes up for it. 
That's why, that's why I was like super – you were like, uh, should we wait? I was like, no, fuck that. Let's talk about it now because I need some happiness before I talk about the tar that is tar. <laughs> the tar that is tar that ran as slow as tar. Hey, yeah, that is hey. accurate. <laughs> you know, I'm going to write that in, in the, in the, in the uh, fresh take review. Yeah. Tar is as slow as tar. <laughs> you might have a better time watching tar than this movie. Probably would. It'd probably be more interesting. <laughs> Just <laughs> learning about this shitty woman who does shitty things. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Thanks for joining us uh, for this week's episode of Box Office Avengers. Come back next week for more movie fun as we continue along the Oscar train as we prepare for our Oscars prediction episode. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Don't you worry about that. And for that, I've been your host, Matt Diaz. Ben Ernesto Santos. See ya. <laughs>